Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Hi, this is Ruben Loftus-Cheek. This is William. I'm Mason Mount. You're listening to the London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. Part three with at Chelsea Youth Phil jumping on for part three. My name is Brandon, as always, joined by Nick and Dan, and what we're going to do today is talk about a couple of the uh, you know, players in the academy below the U18s, the U23s, uh, talk about some, some bigger picture things and, and open up to a few questions that you've sent us uh, from Discord and social media. So uh, right away, in case you've missed it, part one was all about U23s, the development squad. Part two was the U18s. Um, and, uh, now we're, we're moving into the rest of it. So go back and listen to those. If you haven't, everything really builds on itself. Um, so I, I guess Phil to start, we do have a question from chase UD 14 on discord saying, how has this season changed his view of the club's philosophy towards youth players? And they're asking for how is your view of the club's philosophy changed? Is it just the Lampard effect or is something that can carry on after him? Hopefully, no time soon. <laughs> that we appreciate that, Chase. No one is looking for Frank to leave. But Phil, um, yeah, philosophical changes at the club. Something that's much more long term. We hope, or is that always dependent upon whoever the manager is? It's always manager dependent to a degree, and beyond that, it's always Abramovich dependent. It's impossible to predict things at Chelsea. Really, the the Lampard effect is very visceral, and it's one of those things where it's. A defining moment perhaps in the club's history because there's no reason to think that if if and when he does depart let's hope it's not anytime soon 
that the philosophy has become such that whoever replaces him is similarly inclined. We've seen what the academy can bring to the first team. We've seen the difference that the players can make, the money they can save you. As long as there's enough talent coming through the academy, and there's no reason to think that there isn't, based on the successes of all of the younger age groups and the success of the academy as a whole over the last 15 years, as long as that's there, why wouldn't you look to continue that pipeline to supplement the best signings from elsewhere? You know, obviously... You, I'm sure, know. All of our listeners know. Nick, we spend a lot of time talking to Joe Tweets. Uh, he's a huge proponent of this. If nothing else, for fiscal responsibility. And, you know, Danny Drinkwater, Zappacosta are probably two of the ones that stick out the most, where we spent big and probably had reasonable depth in the academy. So I think we all are starting to understand the the value here of the academy and how it can play a role in the bigger picture yeah the the drink water deal is is always one of those that comes up because it indirectly or directly depending on your perspective led to nathaniel chalibur's departure and you ask yourself for what drink water <laughs> came in as a burnley as, loan <laughs> as ostensibly a homegrown player who is costing the club north of 100 grand a week yes you, you can get into amortization and how much that actually costs the club year on year but it, it cost more than just money. It cost a boy who'd been at Chelsea since the age of 10, who wanted to stay at the club, who really wrestled with the idea of leaving to go and join Watford. It arguably cost other departures, players who saw what was going on and thought, well, I'm leaving. Let's use Jonathan Panzo as an example. He went and joined Monaco at the end of his first year at Chelsea because... The, the, the academy players aren't stupid. They see what goes on and they can see when the door is closed and when the door is open. So it's not just that you're signing drink water and telling Chalabar, right, your future lies elsewhere. It's telling the next generation of the club what you're doing. And conversely, Lampard comes in and says, right, Armando Brogia, you're good for me. You've scored some goals this season. Let's give you a reward. That tells the academy something else. Well, it's it's not only is the, the Danny Drinkwater benchmark, which we've discussed on the show before, the DDB, um, Something that we're that we're looking to hopefully not do a whole lot um, ever again. It's also you know Phil. One of the things that, that we've talked about is just the connection to the club, right? Just from a a pride standpoint, you know, a lot of these guys have played for a number of years for the youth team, and when they, you know, when when Armando Broja or uh, you know we we look at Matson or we look at Tino Andrian or any of these youth players who who've gotten a chance just this year and. I think eight in total. Um, it, it's a point of pride, right? It, it obviously, we're talking about it signals something to them, but it's also kind of helping them reach a point that that they might not have otherwise. And so, I think there's an extra bit of passion that's played uh, at that level, and I'm hoping that there's a better connection all the way down the the road with these players that are, you know, maybe just looking for from one opportunity to prove themselves yeah absolutely and i get that chelsea is a global club with a global fan base and what appeals to me isn't necessarily what appeals to somebody else not just like globally somebody in england could have a completely different take on what chelsea means to them and that's absolutely not a problem but there's at least for the fans in the stadium the majority of fans and you can say this across most clubs not in england but elsewhere an academy player getting an opportunity is uplifting, it's energising. You see the, the buzz around a Billy Gilmore coming in and 
being outstanding off the bat. The the buzz when Andrewin comes on or when Broja makes his debut or the the Grimsby League Cup win. Yes, it's Grimsby, but that was a team that finished with a bunch of academy boys on the pitch and winning 7-1, most of them scoring goals. There, there's an energy in the stadium that, yes, you can get that energy by going out and spending 50 million per player. We've seen it. We had champion winning teams that were assembled very expensively, but with players who adopted Chelsea at their heart. There's there isn't a right or wrong way to do it. There is to me, but that's just my opinion. One of the things that that I was wondering about is if you look at the fact of, of how the academy has worked and how Neil Bath has shepherded through some really just amazing talent, both from a coaching tree and then also from just player development, you know, into our first team and into, into other Premier League first teams or for, you know first teams across international football. Is there any place where you see maybe a kind of concern around, do we have enough t- young talent at positions where we might not be able to or might not have maybe the depth uh, of cover? You know, I feel like midfield is one we've talked about, and there's it seems like there's the logjam at midfield is going to happen, and you know not everyone will get their chance here, but is there an area where at the youth level, Chelsea need to maybe find a couple more or maybe even go out and sign uh, some talented youngsters who maybe are going to be coming in as a you know sixteen seventeen year old to our academy to replenish appropriately. It's it's an interesting one that every so often I get asked on Twitter if we have any good wingers coming through. The first team play with wingers. Hudson Odoi is one of the best young wingers around, and the, the truthful answer is no, because most of the academy age groups play a variation of the 3-4-3 formation where they play with two number 10s and a number 9 central striker rather than wide players. The width in those teams comes from the wingbacks. And it's more often than not that those wingbacks eventually become fullbacks at adult level rather than wingers. And you've seen it through Reese James, Dujon Sterling, Tarek Lamptey, Tino Livramento, Dion Rankin. There's a logjam of right wingbacks that have come through. And that might have been something that led to Lamptey joining Brighton in January, that he sees that there's a logjam ahead of him and a bunch of talent behind him. And if he's got the opportunity to go to Brighton now and be back up to uh, a 38-year-old Bruno, and I think Bruno's retired now, I can't remember who their right back is, but I know he's playing out of position. Um, his pathway through to playing Premier League football is a lot quicker there, regardless of whether Lampard's the manager at Chelsea. But it, it goes going back to the lack of wingers... If you don't have wingers in the academy, that's not a problem. As long as you're bringing through capable, versatile, intelligent players who can slot into whatever position they play in when they're good enough, you can go and supplement your first team squad and say, right, we don't have any wingers coming through from the academy. Now we go to buy one because that's how you assemble a good squad. That's why you go and bring in a Hakim Ziyech or you go and sign a Christian Pulisic because you don't have them coming through or because they're good enough and are better than what you have coming through. I don't, I've don't. i never had a problem with that. It's the signings for the signing's sake that I've had a problem with. Um, Chelsea will always have a lot of wing-backs and a lot of centre-halves and a lot of centre-mids because of the way the academy prefer to to, to build their their teams as they grow. It's, it's a great formation to aid versatility, if nothing else. Do you... I guess... In a dream world, right, the majority of Chelsea's first-team starters are academy products. But we know that that's probably not realistic based on where Chelsea are and kind of the top echelons of European football 
and pushing for titles every season. Thank you, Mr. Roman Abramovich, for making that a reality. Realistically, Phil, what percentage of the first team squad do you think realistically the academy could or should make up at a club like Chelsea? Knowing that the talents down there are, are we're as rich as as we could really ask for. I don't think there's anything wrong with aiming for a minimum of fifty percent of your twenty five man squad or whatever. Let's say eleven or twelve players who they don't have to be starters. You can have six high quality starters. So in our case, we'd have Tamori, James, Abraham, Mount, Hudson Odoi, and somebody else I've completely forgotten right now. It doesn't really matter. You have enough players that you can then say, right, that's half of our squad filled. Now we have this budget to go and make sure the other half of the squad is as good as it can be. If you don't have the players to fill 11 or 12 spots, then you don't have 11 or 12 spots. But Chelsea have demonstrated enough over the years with the quality coming through their academy that they do. You forgot forgot Ruben and Billy fell. Ruben was the one that I forgot. Um, Yes, unfortunately, he's been injured for the best part of the year. And Billy... Billy's just at the start of his journey, but absolutely, if he can become a first-teamer, then you've got seven potential quality starters there, and you're already building towards 11. It shows that it can be done. And they're all they're all still really young. If you have those seven as a core for the next 10 years, find another three or four from the next couple of generations coming through, you're already at that 50% number. Well, I think that's the point, right? Is It's not just having you know one set of youth players that come through. It's, it's kind of replenishing you know, every year and bringing in some new talent and all that kind of stuff. And I think there's a a decent chance that, you know, based on the U18 and U23 reviews that we've done earlier this week, that there there could be that opportunity. So uh, I think, you know, as, as we look at, you know, kind of the future, right, which is, is where we're, we're kind of aiming for this episode. Is, is there any, I right, kind of, uh, sense, especially with the way that the season is ending and or not ending and or, you know, maybe we'll do a cup thing or maybe we won't or probably we won't. Is there any sense that you're getting uh, around kind of contracts, right? And, and looking at how um, players may or may not resign given the uncertainty of a, a transfer window? Yeah, it's really hard. And I think I, I spoke about this on Twitter last week or something. It's it's not just a thing at Chelsea. There'll be players up and down the country of academy age who are approaching the time when they're to be released. And that's not the, the clubs will have given them this. They, they're they obliged to tell them by the end of March. So these players will already know that. Uh, the problem will come when we don't know what the rest of this season looks like and we don't know when next season starts. Not just in England, but elsewhere. These are players who rely on the opportunity to go on trial somewhere to earn their next opportunity to play for a a contract. Uh, We've seen Marcel Lavinia trial at Watford and Crystal Palace from Chelsea. Jordan Aina had a trial at Swansea. And this was before the season finished two months early. There there, There will be players who didn't get to go out on trial at clubs and won't have the opportunity to go and trial at new clubs during the off season because clubs won't take that risk. They will prefer to keep unnecessary access to their training facility or whatever lockdown and trust what they have in-house. So unfortunately, some players, maybe more than the usual, might fall through the cracks at this point. For the boys who might be leaving Chelsea this summer, maybe one or two of them could revisit with the club and say, 
it, maybe we extend for a year here or there. I've got no problem, doubts that Chelsea will look after them regardless because they've proven they've got a track record of having one of the best aftercare systems around. Neil Bath and his team do a really good job of making sure that the players know, look, if you're a free agent and have nowhere to train, you can still come in and use our facilities. If you're rehabbing from injury, we'll have you back in. If it doesn't look like you're going to go and play anymore, well, let's explore opportunities in coaching and scouting. The academy's littered with that. It's It's an uncertain time for everybody, not just in football, but... I fear for some of the players, more, more, other clubs more than Chelsea, that the next few months are going to be really hard for them to find their next step in the game. Uh, it's great to hear, and you know, I think we've seen a lot of the the news coverage around Chelsea and what you know, Roman and everyone at the club has done to you know set up the NHS to make appropriate donations, and I mean it's great to hear about the way that the you know I think we maybe anticipate that the academy will kind of fall in line and and handle handle that process as well i I think you made the point though too is just kind of the the idea of clubs erring on the side of caution and keeping players that they were initially going to release you know do do you feel like there's a couple players looking at maybe who the club may have you know allowed to go on trial and then probably not have been concerned about if they they signed away do you think there's a couple candidates there who you would expect maybe to re-sign with Chelsea just given that uncertainty? Uh, possibly. It's it's one of those things that Chelsea haven't been shy in making quite late decisions on some players. I think this time last year it looked like Juan Castillo was going to leave as a free agent. There was uncertainty about George McEachern and Tarek Uwakwe and they all eventually signed new deals sort of and they were announced just ahead of the start of the new season. There's a lot of wait and see from players. They'll 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 be told there's an offer on the table, but you're free to explore what what other opportunities are out there. So they might come back to offers that are on the table, and it's a two way street. So Lavinia looks like he's out of the door, but that's not a guarantee. He's gone on trial elsewhere to see what's on offer. If Chelsea have made him an offer, he might be inclined to take it right now because it's by far the safest thing for him at this stage of his career. Fast forward 12 months from now and fingers crossed, we're in a much better place as a, as a society that people can start living normally again. Um, if you don't have to take the risk at this point, I certainly wouldn't. It's that like, I think this is probably a part of the Academy and the journey for, for these players that most, most of us fans would have never even thought about paid attention to um and you know like you said the club's in a tough position because they don't really know what's on the other side of this um the players you know to their point they're not getting a lot of opportunities because places clubs aren't opening it's like i was trying to move in the middle of this pandemic you think a lot of apartments and places want to open up and do tours nope um so i can definitely you know you know empathize with them uh, so I think that's just a great insight on your part and just kind of, um, you know, bringing that to light, which I think is, is really important for these players. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. This is fantastic. Is there, is there anything else, Nick or Dan, that, you know, maybe from a high level or, or you know, unrelated to things we've already been at that you guys want to follow up with? Dan, any anything coming from Seattle? Well, uh, I think the one thing is, it just as we've talked about this, it makes me feel like the competitive advantage Chelsea will have in, I think my projection will be a super reduced ability to spend wages or to, you know, go out. Like I, 
I think it's ludicrous when you have, you know, Manchester United even saying that they, they don't even think the idea of like signing players over a hundred million pounds is realistic to consider. Um, you know, I, I'm excited for the youth to get all this opportunity. I think it's super competitive advantage for Chelsea because they've been doing this and structured one of the best academies um, that really, you know, in England and maybe even in the world of football, uh, you know, I would say that part, Phil, like, do you feel, are you thinking that Chelsea are poised for even more success because of the way they set the academy up, given, you know, what is in a very uncertain climate about can a club spend, can a club go big on, on wages for a player? It seems like given all the uncertainty, the certainty of the success of the academy actually is going to be the, again, the the best thing that Chelsea has going for it. Yeah, it gives you confidence to know that had the season completed, then the academy could have been national champions at under 13, 14, 15, 16, 18, and 23, the top six age groups in the country. Casual. Um, yeah. and, and that's <laughs> not the first the time that you'd have been able to say that either. They've they've had this success at all of these age groups consistently for more than a decade now. And what happens to the transfer market, we don't know. I think it's 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 got the potential to be a turning point for a lot of clubs because like Chelsea before this season... There are clubs out there that have got the talent that just aren't getting the opportunity to play. Uh, Arsenal are a decent example of this, and it's something that Emery dabbled with, and then Arteta's pushed on with Bukayo Saka, Joe Willock, Martinelli. They've got some really, really high-level talent as well, and it's good for the, the national team at the very least, if that's if that's your bag, that more of these players might get opportunities, but. I don't see how Chelsea can dominate the academy level for so long and not be in an advantageous position if football starts to move towards we use what we've got. We can't sign somebody else. Uh, Nick? There's I mean, no there's no other ending I want than that. That's honestly. It. All right. Phil, the man, the legend behind at Chelsea Youth. Links in the description. Thank you so much, sir. Uh, glad to, to hear pre-pod chats it everything's going well staying safe hopefully um our governments can get this under control and we can go back to life as we knew it which means we can go to london and meet you for a drink again uh in the back of the garden it was a pleasure meeting you uh and so we're glad to keep this this friendship going sir thank you our listeners out there if you enjoyed it go tweet at him Leave a comment on Instagram. Tell them how much you enjoyed it. But, Phil, we really appreciate you spending some time with us on this afternoon. And I appreciate the invitation. Happy to come back at any point. Thanks, guys. Oh, that's absolutely brilliant. Um, this is part three. Go back. One, two. Even if you listen to it, maybe just go back and listen again. I mean, what else do you have going on with yourselves? <laughs> go watch the videos. Chelsea fans, that is a wrap for this week. Uh, we'll be back with more content next week. But until next time, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.